0: Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your love and your grace. Lord, we thank you for giving your word to lead us, to show us the way. We're so grateful unto you. And I pray, Lord, that today we might learn something of your great mercy again. And and learning again of your mercy that we might be reminded to extend mercy to others. We ask this in Christ's holy name. Amen. I'm going to read uh, Matthew 5, verses 1 through 7, and I uh, urge you to get your Bibles out and follow along. And we're going to focus on verse 7, but I've enjoyed each week just going back and reading uh, the entire section because I think we just need to hear the Beatitudes over and over again. Remember, these are characteristics of those who would call themselves Christ followers. Jesus, seeing the crowds, went up on the mountain. And when he sat down, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. And blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Reverend uh, John R. Claypool, uh, a gifted preacher and teacher and writer in the Episcopal Church, tells a story about two identical twin boys. The twins were born to a small-town merchant and his wife, and they were inseparable it was said that their extraordinary closeness was the reason the two never married and when their father died the twins began to take over the family business then one day one of the brothers was very busy so he neglected to ring up a sale and he left a dollar bill laying on the cash register while he went to the front of the store to help other customers Remembering the dollar, he returned to deposit it in the register, but the dollar was missing. He asked his brother if he had seen it, and his brother said, no, I, I haven't seen it. An hour later, he asked his brother again, but this time with an obvious note of suspicion. His brother became angry, he became defensive, and every time they tried discussing the matter, the conflict grew worse, culminating in vicious charges and and equally vicious countercharges. The outcome was the dissolution of their partnership, the installation of a partition down the middle of that little store and two competing businesses. This continued for 20 years, and it was an open device of sore and wound, a festering wound in that town. But one day a car with an out-of-state license plate pulled up. And he pulled up in front of the stores and a well-dressed man got out. He entered one of the brother's shops and he asked, how long has your shop been here? And upon learning that it had been there 20 years, he said, then you are the one with whom I must settle an old score. You see, some 20 years ago, I was out of work and I was drifting from place to place. I had absolutely no money and I had not eaten in three days. And while I had never stolen anything, I looked in your store and I saw a dollar bill sitting on the top of a cash register while you and your brother and everyone else were at the front of the store looking at things and helping customers. Again, I'd never stolen anything, but that morning I was so hungry, I gave in to temptation and I slipped through the door and I stole the dollar bill. It's weighed on my conscience ever since, and I want to make it right. I decided that I would never be at peace until I faced up and made amends. I want to repay that dollar and whatever other damages it may have done. When the stranger finished his confession, he was amazed to see the old store owner shaking his head in deep sorrow and beginning to weep. Finally, the old man gained control and he he took the gentleman by the arm and he asked him to go to the store next door and tell its owner the same thing. The stranger complied, only this time two old men who were nearly identical wept side by side. You know, at some point, most of us have struggled with forgiveness Maybe not as deep as those of these twin brothers. But we've struggled, if we're honest. And so today's beatitude is for all of us. I warn you, though, that it will not be an easy message. But it could be a very liberating message. Jesus taught, verse 7, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. So what is mercy? Well, it refers to one who is moved by the sight of another suffering uh, and, and, in a way, shares another person's suffering. Synonyms might be compassion or pity. But while mercy begins with a feeling, mercy is an action. It is mercy shown or mercy demonstrated. We might translate this Beatitude: blessed are those who show mercy. For they shall be shown mercy. Mercy showing favor or grace. And in Jesus' teaching, in light of his great mercy upon us, it's specifically freely given favor. It's a generous gift, it's an undeserved mercy, if you will. Mercy is compassion in action. It's doing something to alleviate another person's distress. Kent Hughes writes in his commentary, it is giving help to the wretched. It's relieving the miserable. And mercy is clearly demonstrated in Jesus' parable of the Good Samaritan. Many of you know that parable quite well remember a man was traveling down uh, from Jerusalem to Jericho and he was jumped upon by uh, a band of robbers he was beaten and he was left to die a priest and a levite passed him by on the other side of the road but a samaritan came along and they helped the man he even left he 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 bound up his wounds and he took him to an inn and there he took care of him and then he even left money with the innkeeper And said, if this isn't enough to take care of the man, when I pass through here again, I'll pay you back. Jesus told this parable to a lawyer in order to demonstrate who is a neighbor. Who is a neighbor in that great commandment to love your neighbor as yourself? So when Jesus finished the parable, he asked the lawyer, Luke 10, verse 36, which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? He, that is a lawyer, said, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, will you go and do likewise? You see, mercy is compassion in action. Mercy is more than a feeling. Mercy is showing mercy. Mercy is demonstrating mercy. It's taking action. Mercy also includes forgiveness. In the parable of the Good Samaritan, the man who was robbed was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, so he was most likely a Jewish man. And the man who helped him was, of course, a Samaritan. And it's well documented that the Samaritans and Jewish people hated one another in the time of Jesus. So at some level, in order to help an injured Jewish man, the Samaritan had to have forgiveness in his heart. Further, clearly God in His great mercy forgave us. So Christian mercy, folks, always includes forgiveness. Forgiveness. The merciful person remembers his or her own sin and how great it is and how much they've been forgiven and therefore they extend forgiveness to one another. Mercy like that shown by the good Samaritan is amazing. It's radical, even for those of us who have heard the story many, many times. It's radical even for those of us who have the benefit of receiving God's great mercy in Jesus Christ. But did you know that in the first century, this was very much a foreign concept? Uh, As demonstrated by the priest and Levite in Jesus' parable, mercy was not characteristic of the religious leaders of that day. Because they were proud, they were self-righteous, they were legalistic, they were more more likely to be judgmental and harsh. And the Romans, who occupied Israel and dominated the world scene, well, they viewed mercy as a weakness. As a great weakness. According to John MacArthur, one popular Roman philosopher called mercy the disease of the soul. It was a supreme sign of weakness. Mercy was a sign to the Romans that you did not have what it takes to be, quote, a real man or a real Roman. The Romans looked down on mercy. Because mercy to them was weakness, and weakness was despised above all other limitations. And then comes Jesus. And He says, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. And that's when He really ramped it up. They shall receive mercy. What does He mean by that? Is He saying that you and I will not receive God's mercy unless we show mercy? Well, no, that's not exactly what he's saying. No one can merit God's mercy by performing acts of mercy. No one can. Such teaching would be in complete disagreement with the rest of Scripture. Ephesians 2, 4, and 5, for example. But God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ by grace you have been saved. Continuing in verses 8 and 9, for by grace you have been saved through faith. And it's not your own doing. It's the gift of God. Not a result of work so that no one can boast. God who is rich in mercy. God who is great in His love. He saved us by His grace. We need to be clear about that. He did not make His mercy dependent upon our showing mercy if that were true then none of us would ever receive god's mercy it would require us to have perfect mercy in order to receive god's perfect mercy what i believe jesus is saying and the reformed scholars i check with agree is that those who are truly god's children those who know that we have received god's mercy will themselves be merciful And in the end, we'll receive God's ultimate mercy. Simply stated, showing mercy is evidence that you and I have received God's mercy. It's like any good work. It will not save us, but it's proof that we have been saved. Again, we'll never be perfectly merciful. But if we're callous to human needs if we totally ignore them if we don't feel compassion if we're never drawn out and called to do something about it then you and i need to take a long hard look at ourselves we really need to wonder are we following christ have we really trusted christ The apostle john said it very well in first john 3 17 but if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need yet closes his heart against him how does god's love abide in him if we're never moved by another's need that doesn't mean we can meet every need but if we're never moved by another's need well then how can god's love abide in us Another area where we might test our capacity for mercy is in our ability to give forgiveness. When God's grace enters our lives, when you and I stop and think about all that we've been forgiven, we ought to desire to extend mercy. That's why Jesus told the whole thing about the speck and the plank. You know, that we need to first see that log or that plank in our own eye before we judge that one with a speck in their eye. We need to extend grace. Again, folks, if we're not willing to forgive, if we're like those twin brothers and we can never let go of a grudge, it's time to examine our hearts. Our lack of forgiveness may be A sign that you and I have never understood God's grace. And sadly, it could be a sign that we've never really received His grace and His forgiveness. And listen, folks, I know there are situations for which it would be extremely difficult to forgive. It might even be humanly impossible in some situations to fully forgive. I honestly have no idea how I would react if I were the parents and the grandparents of those beloved children in Uvalde, Texas and places around the world where children are hurt and abused. I don't know how I would react. There are some situations that would take a supernatural act of God in order for us to forgive. And there may be situations that that only God is big enough to forgive. And God knows that you and I don't have His capacity for mercy. He knows that. He knows we're weak. I'm trusting that He would extend grace to us in those areas where we struggle so much. So so the warning here is not so much for, for struggling sometimes to extend grace. But the warning here is to those who never have any desire to give mercy, and to give grace. And sometimes you and I may struggle a long time before we can forgive. Sometimes the offense is so shocking, the hurt is so deep, that we need time to heal. We need time to reflect before we can possibly respond with forgiveness. So listen, the warning here doesn't, never, doesn't indicate that Christians will never struggle. We struggle sometimes with mercy and forgiveness. But here's the question Are you and I, in our day to day activities, in our involvement with other people, are we inclined to show mercy and forgiveness? Is it our tendency and our desire to be forgiven? Is that who we are? Or are we a person who cannot let go of wrong that's been done to us? If you're one who struggles, if you're one who struggles sometimes to really let go and to give mercy, let me summarize just a few brief suggestions that Professor Kent Hughes makes. And Number one is confess. Just come before God and confess, Look, God, I'm struggling. I got somebody in my life I am really, really struggling to forgive. And I'm having trouble having compassion here, Lord. Would you just give me more compassion? I need help. I need help if I'm going to forgive this person. And then I'd urge you to read over and over again scriptures that deal with mercy and compassion. Uh, Matthew 9, 19, 13, I think we've got a list here of a few. Uh, which is where Jesus called Matthew the tax collector. And everybody else wants nothing to do with Matthew. But Jesus calls him anyway. And there he applies Hosea 6.6, 6, I desire mercy and not sacrifice. Read Micah 6.8 and Amos 5.21 and 24 about mercy and grace. Meditate on Luke 10, uh, the story of the Good Samaritan again and again. Put yourself in each person's position and ask, how would I have had mercy in that situation? And then go out and practice mercy, folks. Just go out And do something intentional this week to help just one person in need. Something very intentional to help someone. Choose to forgive someone that has wronged you. Maybe you've held on to it too long. And maybe you can't be fully reconciled to them. Maybe they won't even speak to you. But you choose to forgive them. Blessed are those who have received incredible, immeasurable mercy from God. They will prove they have received mercy by giving mercy and by giving forgiveness. Though they may struggle sometimes and in some circumstances, they will be inclined to show mercy and in the end will receive the greatest of mercies eternal life in the presence of our loving and forgiving father let's pray together lord i have no right to confess for anyone else so i'll confess for me sometimes i i struggle to extend mercy sometimes they're just a struggle to be as forgiving as I ought to be. And Lord, if there's anyone else in that boat, I, I pray that you'd forgive us and that you'd help us to, to be more compassionate. And Lord, if you're calling to mind someone this morning that we've been struggling to forgive for a long time, Please help us to take the next faithful step, whatever that is, and begin the process of choosing to forgive them. They may never forgive us, the relationship may never be fully reconciled, but it certainly never will if we do not choose to forgive. So give us the strength this day and the resolve To forgive others. Lord we thank you for the tremendous mercy you have had upon us. Mercy far beyond what we deserve. So again Lord help us forgive as we have been forgiven. May mercy and forgiveness be proof that we are Christ's followers. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with all of you today and forevermore. Amen.